Good morning. Thank you everyone for attending the first summer CME conference for the SDPA. I'm very excited, it's here in Chicago. Do we have any Chicago Blackhawk fans in the house? Yeah? Awesome win last night. Um, just wanted to let you know a um, couple things. Uh, first, we really appreciate you making this meeting a success. Um, it being our first summer conference, we didn't know how everyone would take to it, um, but we have 391 members registered, so thank you very much. Um, reason we had to move the conference from the pre-AAD meeting is we kind of outgrew it, which is a very positive thing. Um, if you guys have any suggestions about where you would like to hold conferences in the future, please let us know. Um, we do plan ahead. We plan ahead at least two to three years, okay? Um, just wanted to remind everybody that SDPA kicked off its uh, Going Green initiative in Scottsdale in November. So you have thumb drives in your bags that uh, you have all the presentations on. We're trying to get rid of paper. Uh, the other thing is, is our journal and newsletter has gone online. So if you would like to help us out by going green, please sign up to receive that online and not through the mail anymore. Um, the other thing is our new bags that we have for you um, are reusable. So please use those. I actually like them. I think they're pretty neat. And uh, I was like, wow, a woman must have picked these out because they're so awesome. But actually, Greg picked them out. So I'm... <laughs> I was impressed with that. Um, but anyway, just thank you so much for being here. As always, we love new ideas. We love new members to um, join the committees. So if you have any interest in being a part of the um, board of directors or committees of SDPA, please get involved. And um, we have also gone uh, done away with um, water cups so please use your bottles that are in your bag to refill there should be water coolers around that you can do that and last and but not least get out and enjoy Chicago at some point and there's so many fun things to do here so thank you again for coming and I'm going to let Greg our CME chair come up he's got a couple of housekeeping things to do and then we'll kick off our first summer meeting so thank you again Good morning. Good to see everybody here. Um, whenever we come up with these ideas, we never know who's going to show up, and I always underestimate, and I'm glad to see that there's so many people here. Again, we almost had 400, which <coughs> equals our fall conference. Just a couple of housekeeping notes uh, that I want to go over. We will be full to capacity uh, today. and. Maybe not completely today, but it's certainly tomorrow. So every seat will be used. So make sure that you put your stuff on the floor and, and get cozy. Um, make sure you put your cell phones on vibrate, or I'll throw something at you. Um, Sign-in sheets. Make sure that you sign in. You have to sign in in the morning and in the afternoon. And the sign-in sheets are taken away at noon and at whenever the last session is over. Um, that is how we verify that you've had your CME. So if you ever get audited, then we have it on file. So those, that's the reason for all that. So make sure that you sign in. 
morning, afternoon. If you forget, uh, which happens frequently, uh, we do keep them in the office. You can talk to Rose. Um, evaluation forms are in the back of your booklet. Uh, I'd like that you make sure that you fill those out and give those um, to Rose at the end of the conference. Also, there's a needs assessment survey. I look at every evaluation and every needs assessment survey. Um, so if you have comments, concerns, anything at all, go ahead and put those on there because I, I do read each and every one of them. And some of the changes that we make are actually the direct results of, of those comments. Um, welcome reception will be this evening from 6 to 10 in this same room. So please remember to take all your belongings with you. <clears throat> so don't leave anything in here. This room will turn um, fairly quickly. Uh, so when we exit after the last lecture, people are going to come in and, and make it for the welcome reception. So make sure you take everything uh, with you. Um, participants can get guest tickets at the for the welcome reception out front, uh, they're $50. You must wear your name badge to get in, so make sure you bring your name badge. Um, exhibit hall will be open uh, Friday only. Uh, make sure that you thank all the exhibitors uh, and sponsors for their support. Very few people know how important the exhibitors and the sponsors are. If we did not have them, your registration fee would be about $2,000. So it's very important that we have industrial support. So make sure you get out there and thank them. And then, you know, at your offices, certainly thank them as well. Especially want to thank Amgen for um, this reception tonight. And then also uh, the Internet Cafe. As far as the Internet Cafe, you can, it's out towards that way. Um, I think there's eight laptops out there. You can log your CME at NCCPA. Um, if you want to. If you log them here online, you won't get audited. So everything's set up in there. If there was any last minute registration, uh, your name won't be in there. So if it was last minute. So let Rose know. Um, exits are here in the back. Bathrooms, the men's is over there, the women's is over there. Uh, they're pretty big, so they should be okay. But if not, you can take the escalator down to the sixth floor, and there's the same configuration. Um, tours. We set up some tours. We have a um, company that will be here tonight, or tonight, this afternoon. Um, if anybody's interested in different types of tours, they can help you out. And they have some really good ones that we selected. Um, so it, they'll be out front to help you. Last thing is talks that are not on your thumb drive, because we always get talks late, because everybody tweaks them right to the last minute. And we have to get those thumb drives to the um, person that makes them you know, two weeks out. So we won't have everything on there. But everything will be on the website in two weeks, probably before that, but by two weeks. And you'll access that with your registration number. So that's everything. Thank God. Um, you, if you have any questions during the conference, you can always approach me at any time. I'm almost always here. Uh, also, uh, Rose and Mike up front. 
uh, or any of the board members today. I think they're wearing green. All right, our first speaker. First speaker is Monica Francis, uh, who has been practicing dermatology for over 11 years in Washington, D.C. She has a special interest in pediatric dermatology and issues that affect ethnic populations. For most of her career as a PA, she has taught dermatology at Howard University PA program and is currently the clinical instructor. She has spoken at national APA conferences and numerous occasions and is excited to present today. And uh, she's a great speaker. And please help me uh, welcome Monica Francis. Hello, can you hear me? Good morning. Thank you so much for showing up early, not skipping the nail lecture. We're going to take a ride this morning. Um, and I am very proud to be here. I'm very um, grateful to be here. This, I will be doing two lectures this morning. So I also will be doing the hair lecture as well. Uh, Greg has so uh, graciously called it hair of color which most of us have hair of color, but it'll be hair uh, disorders and ethnic skin. That'll be the third lecture. All right. These are my disclosures. And as I said, we're going to take a ride today. All right. Nails. <laughs> that is my, well, one of them, as you can guess, is my son. All right. So these are my objectives. We're going to identify common nail changes and nail disorders. We're going to gain insight into the very pathology of nail disorders and manage more effectively nail disorders. All right, so we have anatomy. This is our agenda for today. We have anatomy. We're going to talk about terms, nail changes, and nail disorders. You can tell a lot from a person's nails. When life starts to unravel, they're among the first to go the nail matrix. The nail matrix gives rise to nail plate production. The proximal matrix, matrix uh, gives rise to the dorsal nail plate, and the distal, male, distal matrix gives rise to the ventral nail plate. So I have also another um, slide that talks about a review of anatomy. The nail bed, the purpose of that is to allow adhesion of the nail plate, which is the hard keratin nail, to the nail bed. So you think that the nail plate lies in the nail bed. And the proximal uh, nail fold, the purpose of that is for the nail matrix prote protection. So here's your anatomy. Let's see here. It's a little difficult, but you can see here, without me falling off the stage, we have the lateral nail fold on either side, the lunula here, the distal edge, the proximal edge, proximal nail fold, the cuticle is there, the eponychium here, sorry, sorry, there, there, and um, maybe the, all right, and we have the nail plate, the hyponychium, and we talked about the nail bed, the nail plate lies in the nail bed, here we have the matrix, we have a proximal and a ventral, and um, the nail plate there. All right, nail growth. Fingernails only about three millimeters a month, toenails one. Nails grow very fast in infants and children. You talk to any mother, 
in the house and they'll tell you that they have to cut the nails quite often of infants and children. And then for um, adults, they grow much slower. They grow faster in the summer, slower in the winter, faster during the day, slower at night. All right, we're taking the ride. We're going to go up and down the nail ridges and the longitudinal folds. Terminology, onycholysis, separation of the nail bed and the nail plate. Now, onycholysis can occur at either the proximal edge or the dorsal edge, proximal or the um, distal edge, all right? Onychorexis, longitudinal splitting. Onychobryphosis, thickened scarred plate, which is similar to onychochoxis, which is traumatized thickening. Onychotillomania, you think uh, trichotillomania with the hair, the plucking of the hair. So this is onychotillomania, which is picking of the nails. It's also called a habit tick. Onychomalacia, softening of the nail plate. Phagia, onychophagia is eating, but it's nail biting, nail biting the nail. And colonicchio is spoon-shaped nails. All right, so there are three categories of changes, and these are just broken up to discuss where the problem occurs. Where does the problem occur originally that causes changes in the nails? So we have changes due to the abnormal nail matrix function, changes due to nail bed disorders, the bed, and then changes due to the deposition of pigment within the nail plate. All right, so this slide and the next slide is based on when you see the clinical manifestation, you look at the nail and you see, okay, something is wrong with this nail, it's not a normal nail. So now you'll be able to look at the manifestation and when you're able to identify the manifestation, you'll be able to go to where the problem lies. So if it's both lines, pitting, longitudinal ridging, or fissuring, or trachonychia, that is a problem that lies in the proximal matrix. If it's true leukonychia, it lies in the distal matrix. If it's proximal and distal matrix problems, then you have onychomedesis, colonychia, and nail thinning. And then problems in the nail bed, underneath the nail, then those uh, present as onycholysis, subungual, hyperkeratosis, apparent leukonychia, and splinter hemorrhages. Are you following me so far? You're with me? All right. All right, Bose lines. These are transverse depressions in the nail. So these are transverse lines, more evident in the central portion of the nail. So not at the proximal, not at the distal, but usually right smack in the middle. Most often a traumatic change, either maybe from a manicure, not usually just from a plain manicure, but most oftenly I've seen it with acrylic nails. So artificial nails that are placed, and then acrylic is a place over that. There's a lot of pressure that's done on the nail. And then some months later, uh, many women decide they don't want to keep the acrylic nails. It's too much to keep up. So they have them soaked off. And when those nails are soaked off, you see these depressions, these transverse depressions in the nail. And there are some dermatological uh, diseases like eczema and chronic perinicchia. All right, involvement of multiple digits other than uh, chronic acrylic nails uh, can include um, severe or febrile illness, erythroderma, or drugs. Onychomedesis, nail shedding. So this is proximal detachment of the nail. Proximal, so this is close to the in portion of the finger, the nail is coming off. 
All right, the nail is coming off. It's very traumatic, and involvement of multiple digits suggests a systematic, systemic cause. All right, so this is a photo of that. Now, here you have, I can look over here, right, okay. Let's go there. Now, what this is also showing, in addition to onychomedesis, is also um, there is a pseudopyogenic granuloma there in the nail as well. But you can see where the yellow portion of the nail is, the yellow portion of the nail. So you see that yellow portion because there is a space in between the nail and the nail bed, in between the nail plate and the nail bed. Remember, the nail plate lies in the bed. And there's air under there. There's a space there because it's been separated, and that causes the yellow color. And in addition to that, we have that uh, circular lesion as well, which is a pseudopyogenic granuloma. All right, pitting. Punctate depressions of the nail plate surface. It does move. So as the nail grows out, those pitting uh, lesions begin to grow out with it and can be cut off as long as it's not chronic, they will no longer um, appear. If you think about pitting, think about severe nodular acne with um, ice pick scars, the same kind of pitting. You see that in the nails as well. And most common uh, conditions, psoriasis, alopecia areata, and eczema. All right, so here's nail pitting. Um, in the Two digits that are lateral, you can't see it as well, but there are some, we call ice pick scars, there are some punctate depressions there. Now this photo, I just believe, is, is gorgeous, just because I'm, I'm in Durham, as you all are in Durham, and I just find the pitting is just so prominent in, these, uh, in this photo. All right, true leukonychia, true leukonychia, white opaque discoloration, and I will distinguish at a later later on in the lecture, between true leukonychia and apparent leukonychia. Punctate, it may be punctate, striate, or diffuse. So punctate is circular little um, dots or macules. Uh, striate are linear, usually transverse linear um, uh, lines, and then diffuse is all over the nail. Most often traumatic is uh, damage to the distal nail matrix. And... This is onycholysis, distal nail plate detachment. So you remember earlier we talked about proximal nail plate detachment. This is distal. And detached nails looks yellow or white. I explained earlier why that occurs. And it's commonly due to trauma, psoriasis, or onychomycosis. So here we have on the uh, thumb of the left hand, and the third and fourth digits, and the fifth digit as well, you can see the distal separation of the nail plate from the nail bed, and the nails look yellow. All right, onychorexis, onychorexis. Thinning of the nail, longitudinal ridging and fissuring, so we have these ridges in the nail, we have these splits right down the middle of the nail sometimes. Um, there's damage to the nail matrix with lichen planus, and this is common in aging in, in the fifth, sixth, and seventh decade, but we see that it's a very mild form in the later decades. Okay, onychoxis. Now, this is uh, nail thickening, subungal hyperkeratosis, 
commonly due to psoriasis or onychomycosis. I have a chart that will be coming up in a few slides, and it will put many of these in perspective. Now, apparent leukonychia, the difference between apparent leukonychia and true leukonychia is you can press on your finger of um, apparent leukonychia, and that whiteness, that white color disappears. But with true leukonychia, it does not. It stays there. The nail plate transparency is maintained. So that means the nail is still uh, clear, and you can still see the pink color of the nail bed underneath. Drugs are often a cause, and this does not move with nail growth. Splinter hemorrhages, thin longitudinal, dark red subungual lines, most often traumatic, um, damage to the longitudinal oriented nail bed capillaries. So remember in uh, PD1 and you first learn about skin and you have to learn about capillary refill and you press on the, the nail and you make sure that the color returns quickly. All right, so most common causes are trauma, psoriasis, and onychomycosis. All right, so this is the uh, chart. Now, at the top, the first one is Bose line, so that's that transverse line across the middle of the nail. And we have onycholysis, the separation of the nail plate from the nail bed at the um, distal edge. Onychorexis, there's some longitudinal uh, ridging there. Onychomedesis there. Remember we said that is proximal separation. Onychoschisuria. Trachonychia. Trachonychia is a, it's almost like a sandpaper look to the nail, like the nails have been sandpapered. And this is commonly referred to tracho means 20, 20 nail syndrome, where many of, uh, for patients, all 20 nails, both the fingers and the toenails, are all affected. Pitting in psoriasis along with the oil drop, also called a salmon patch. We have pitting in alopecia, lichen planus, it's a systemic uh, condition, leukonychia, clubbing. And I want you to look at the bottom at the normal nail, and then I want you to see that pincher nail. You see that pincher nail there? Now, that pincher nail is that lateral edge, the lateral fold of the nail plate curving, and it curves into the actual um, skin, into the actual skin. This can be very painful, but it can also lead to a curvature of the nail. And then there you also see colonychia, which is the spoon-shaped nails. All right, so this is the pincer nail. Now, if you look at nail number two, I know it's difficult to take your eyes off of nail number one, but move to nail number two and see the pincher, see the, see the sides of the nail. If you look at, if you, if you take off your shoes and you look at your nails, your nails do not curve into the skin like that if they are normal. So this is uh, very common with onychomycosis, um, and this is a, it can be a chronic condition. You can see the hyperkeratotic debris up underneath the nail. So this great toe, when I first saw this nail and I said, okay, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but I need to take a photo and I'll look it up later. Um, I looked, and so this started off as a pincher nail, okay, and then over time, as the nail was slightly lifted out of the skin, say, oh, goodness, you can't go into my skin. Let me turn it. Let me lift you out and cut it, and over time, it began to turn on its own and cause this. They also call it trumpet, and I have another photo where it's a different view, and from the side, it just looks like a trumpet.
All right, so we're, we're going around a corner right now. We're going to talk about nail disorders, all right? Nail disorders. Inflammatory nail disorders. So we have psoriasis, lichen planus, perinichia that can also go in nail infections, onychomycosis, green nail, which is pseudomonas, melanichia, and nail tumors. All right, for psoriasis, some key features. Multiple nails may be affected. With fingernails, we have irregular pitting, salmon patches, which is also called oil drop, onycholysis with the erythematous border. So this is very common. The um, pitting is very common. I've only seen the oil drops a few times. Toenails clinically indistinguishable from onychomycosis. So what does that mean? We look at some nails and they, they look myconic, but it's possible that it could be psoriatic um, because they can look the same. So you need to do some diagnostic studies to determine which one it is. There may be some psoriatic arthropathy associated, and Kevner phenomenon makes the condition worse. All right, so those patients that have nail involvement, it's a, it's a varied number, anywhere from 10 to 20. 50% of those who have psoriasis may have nail involvement. And it may be the only sign. So if you look at someone's nails and they have these, we call funky nails, they have these funny looking nails, but there are no skin signs, psoriasis may not be the first thing on your list. The first thing on your list is let's rule out onychomycosis. But keep psoriasis in your differential. Pitting is the most common. Onycholysis begins at the distal groove or right beneath the nail plate. We talked about onychomycosis and the treatment, if you think, if there are no skin findings, if there are no skin findings, well, what you can do is give some intralesional cortisone or some topical calcitriotriene. Systemic agents are helpful, but most of the time you're not going to give a systemic agent if there are no skin findings. All right, onycholysis. So you see that yellow nail again, you see the separation of the nail plate from the nail bed, and even the thickening of the nail plate along with some ridging. All right, more of onycholysis is definitely clear here. This is an earlier picture, a closer shot with that separation of the nail bed. Yes. And then here, this patient has onycholysis as well. But the patient has clipped her nail. She's clipped her nails because when that nail that lifts up begins to hit something, when she bumps it against something, it was very painful. So she's clipped the nail down. And so now she can, um, you can see this hyperkeratotic nail bed. And there's the oil spot there, the brown oil spot. All right, lichen planus, lichen planus. Nail thinning and nail fissuring is common. Several nails are usually affected, and the histologic examination is required, okay? Because you look at the nail, and you need to rule out, of course, um, mycotic disorders and um, get a true diagnosis of lichen planus. All right, about 10% of patients with lichen planus have nail involvement. Most often, patients may have nail involvement and don't have any skin signs, or mucosal involvement of the actual lichen planus. Diagnostical clinical findings are nail thinning, nail ridging, fissuring, and the dorsal pterygium. 
but non-specific changes. These changes you can just find in other conditions as well. It doesn't give you uh, diagnostic um, confirmation that it truly is lichen planus. So onycholysis, thickening, and yellow discoloration. All right, so here you see that longitudinal ridging. You see some fissuring going on in the nails for lichen planus. All right, so how do you treat? Triamcinolone. You can give a triamcinolone IM injection. Um, that's a possibility. Um, sometimes you just want to consider some systemic agents, especially if there is involvement in the skin as well. What the country needs is dirtier fingernails and cleaner minds. Bill Rogers. All right, so we're going to move more so into uh, infections. Paronychia, paronychia. There's acute and chronic. So acute, we have bacterial infection of the proximal and lateral, lateral nail fold. It's usually a very rapid onset. These, for acute, of course, for acute, these patients are fine, and there may be some trauma involved, and then within days to weeks, they have this abscess. Uh, may require IND. IND. If you see um, an abscess, if you see where it is even um, fluctuate, then that is definitely criteria to do an IND. If you see some drainage, you want to do a culture, viral and bacterial, and of course if you do an IND and you allow that pus to drain, that helps it to heal the fastest. And then we also give antibiotics, oral antibiotics. Chronic, most commonly adult females, proximal nail fold, inflammation, and there is an absence of a cuticle. The cuticle is no longer there after chronic, chronic, chronic inflammation. Uh, this is very, very common uh, with patients who have a habit of picking their nails. They have that habit, onycotillomania. Uh, so um, these patients uh, pick their nails, they pick their cuticle, and over a long period of time, you see that raised hump, that raised area right around the cuticle, where instead of it being nice and smooth, there's a nice little hump there before you reach the uh, cuticle, and um, that's chronic inflammation. What happens over time is they develop the ridges, the, the ridges, and that's when they begin to come in. They may not come in because of the inflammation, but when they see ridges in their nails, they come in, they want to do something because they think they have a fungus, something going on with their nails, and then you have to take the pressure off of you and put it back on them and say, stop messing with your nails. <laughs> All right. Fingers are most common. All right. Onychomycosis. Onychomycosis, uh, also known as tinea ungum. It's a dermatophyte infection of the nail. It is worldwide. Onychomycosis is all over the world. Most often there are men more than women that have that, and I have absolutely no comment as to why that is. 50% of all nail dystrophy um, incidences. So half of the cases, the patients come in, there's something wrong with my nails, only about half of the cases are truly mycotic, are truly a dermatophyte onychomycosis infection. Most common causative pathogens, trichophyton rubin, trichophyton metabrophytes, epidermitum, epidermophytum, Flocosum and microsporum feces, feces, which is rare. That's rare. But most common are rubrum and mesoprophytes. All right, so this is an approach 
to the diagnosis of dystrophy of one or more nails because we say all funny looking nails are not fungus. Every single nail that you see is not a fungal nail. So first you want to rule out some non-fungal causes. What else could it be? What else is going on? You get a complete history, ask about trauma, ask about nail care, how the patient takes care of their nails and um, possibly their employment and what type of uh, substances their hands are exposed to and also even if they are in a profession where they're washing their hands multiple, multiple times a day. And then also you uh, would evaluate for any genetic uh, disorders as well. Now initially you can do a KOH prep uh, based on the nail scrapings or any, even any subungal debris. You remember that, that pincher nail and those, that picture there, that, all of that debris up underneath the nail. So you do a PS, you do a PS stain or, um, of the nail clippings or a KOH. And then based on that, if it's positive, then you go ahead and culture and go ahead and treat. But if it's negative, then you do a culture. Now for sure, if you send a clipping of the nail, so what I do is I take a simple biopsy jar that has the formalin in it, I have an assistant to pour it out, rinse it out, wash it out, dry it, and then they'll put the nail clippings in there and um, seal it. Some patients, some um, offices where I've worked, they've used a urine specimen cup. They just open that up, it's already clean, it's already dry, drop it in there and put the nail clippings there and send them to the lab. And if they do do a culture, they always do a PAS stain as well. That's a part of it. So if that culture is uh, positive, then of course that you would treat. And now, I don't know if I mentioned this, but onychomycosis most often coexists with chronic tinea pedis. Often, often, often. So um, patients have a tinea pedis, they've had it for a long time, and then those organisms enter through the distal portion of the nail, right up underneath the nail. We all have that picture, maybe not all of us, but that picture is in our head of, what is this name, Pfizer? Is it the commercial for Lamisil? Oh, please don't look at me like that. <laughs> He's a green little, little, little character, and he casually lifts up the nail and says, this is where I live and he jumps up underneath the nail. Oh, please raise your hand. Have you, have you seen it? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, so we, here we have tinea pedis coexisting with onychomycosis. So you see that this is interdigital, and it's not just between the first and second digit, it's between the second and the third, third and fourth, it continues. And this was the third or fourth visit that the patient came in. The toes was not a priority for him. Uh, he had some other concerns that were a priority and he was one of those uh, doorknob patients where I, my hand was on the doorknob and I was about to go and he said, oh yeah, my nails. Can you look at my nails? And this is what I saw. It's like, oh my, this, you didn't mention this the third time or the second time you were here? Okay, so you here you see the um, the debris, you see the, the moist debris in between uh, the toes as well as um, the subungal hyperkeratotic debris as well. You are already ate, correct, you already ate. All right, so we treat, our oral treatment is uh, terbinafine, itraconazole, and fluconazole. Um, I remember when uh, terbinafine or Lamisil first came out and we had to jump through hoops and stand on our head and 
and turn around 10 times and touch the floor in order to allow, get the insurance companies to cover it. It was so expensive. You had to get the culture and had to fax the culture result to the insurance company. And now it's on the Walmart $4 list. How about that? How about that? <laughs> and itraconazole, that's Spornox. Be very careful when you uh, write this. This is mostly for yeast. So if you do your culture and your organism is yeast, um, be very careful because this is contraindicated in those patients who have hypercholesterolemia. Okay, it's, high, it's contraindicated. All right, and then fluconazole. Um, which is a long-standing drug that I don't use that often. Cure rate's up to 80%. I beg to differ. Um, I don't see a cure rate of 80%. I do see patients that uh, get well and get better, but not necessarily 80%. All right. Recurrent disease is common. Preventative measures, protective footwear, cotton socks. Uh, you want to use antifungal absorbent powders on the feet or have them spum. Sprinkle it into their shoes. Frequent nail clipping, and please discard the old shoes. We had a patient that came in a few weeks ago, and he was actually there for an earlobe repair. He had, I don't know the name of them, but those very large um, earrings that go inside of the um, ear hole, and they get larger and larger and larger. So he was here for something totally different. But while we were in the room doing the surgery, um, to repair his earlobe because it was huge. Um, the, <laughs> um, there, was an, there was an awful odor in the room, just awful. So as we just gingerly and just easily just stepped into that realm, we said um, some kind of way he began to talk about his roommate and that his roommate and he share the shoes. They share the shoes and they never wear socks. Oh my, oh my. We repaired that earlobe and got him out the door. <laughs> All right, pseudomonas infection, green nail, green nail syndrome, greenish black or greenish blue nail plate. It's a discoloration due to pyocyanin. Predisposing factors include exposure to water, detergents, and soap. And it's not just exposure. We're all exposed to water, detergents, and soap. But this is repeated, repeated exposure and soaking and hands always wet. This needs to be uh, distinguished from hematoma, melanocytic nevus, melanoma, or an aspergillus infection commonly seen in barbers, dishwashers, bakers, and oh my, medical personnel as well. Why? Because we wash our hands many, many times, or sometimes if they're not physically dirty, we may just use hand sanitizer. Green nail syndrome. So what do we do? Avoidance of the predisposing factors. Try to reduce that exposure to the water, clipping back of the nail, and then what we tell our patients all the time is just soak that finger most commonly a thumb, but soak that finger in vinegar. Just plain old white vinegar. It doesn't have to be apple cider, but just soak that finger. And that is the acetic acid. Melanichia, longitudinal brown to black bands, all right, along the nail plate. Commonly seen in darkly pigmented individuals, but not always, not necessarily. Single band may be a sign of nail melanoma. Multiple, plan, multiple bands often due to drugs or systemic disease. All right, so here is, yes, this is an African-American patient that has the banding. So on that third nail, that's the middle nail, you can see a somewhat wide band on the first, the second nail, the index finger as well. 
but here is a Caucasian patient. Here's a patient that has the banding as well. Now, if you notice the banding, if you look closely, you will see that at the cuticle, at the proximal edge, the epinicium, all of that, that banding does not extend into the cuticle. It does not extend into that uh, proximal nail fold area. And that is important to note because if that banding does extend, then you're looking at a probable cause of, a probable case of melanoma. So melanicia, the two photos that I showed you, those are both normal. All right, Bowen's disease, we're going to talk about a few, um, just a couple nail tumors. It's a verrucous lesion. It's a verrucous lesion. Um, onycholysis is common, and there may be some melanicia. Inflammation and crusting. All right, so this is Bowen's. There is a longitudinal line there of hyperkeratosis. There's fissures. There's a fissure there. Um, this does not look normal. You also see at the proximal nail fold, the proximal nail fold, there is erythema. And you can see that raised hump that I was talking about as well that you see commonly in paranychia. So this is not good. This is not good. And if I may, I will try to use the pointer. And if it won't flip, there. We want to do a nail biopsy. Ha, ha, ha. Want to do a nail biopsy right there, OK? Want to do a nail biopsy there. So I had not talked about nail biopsies, but um, that is important. I personally don't do a lot of them. I usually send, send them out, but my supervising doc, she does them more often. So if we can see here, you want to include the matrix here, okay? You want to include the cuticle, the proximal nail fold, all right? All right, to do that nail biopsy. All right, next, we're going to talk about melanoma. Also, longitudinal melanicia. The thumb is the most frequent site. And there is nail plate destruction. Hutchinson sign. There are more than one Hutchinson signs. When I teach uh, derm at, um, at Howard University, and I will just put a plug in for Howard because I have the mic, so I can do that. But Howard has 90% passage rate for this year. Woo, yay, Howard, 90% passage rate. All right, so Hutchinson sign. There is more than one Hutchinson sign. If you remember in uh, viral diseases, there's a Hutchinson sign on the nose. Yes, yes, for zoster, yes, okay. So when there's involvement of zoster on the tip of the nose, that's also Hutchinson sign. But this Hutchinson sign is um, correlated with pigment of the periungal tissue. So when I showed you the melanicia and the, the longitudinal hyperpigmented banding, and that banding that extends past the cuticle into the periungal tissues, that is Hutchinson sign, and that is a probable case for melanoma. All right, but in about a fourth of the cases, it is amelanotic. All right, so one to four percent of all melanomas come from the nail. Diagnosis is often delayed. Usually it's just one nail involved. It's just a funny nail and doesn't bother the patient, so they don't come in right away. 
And the five-year survival rate is only 15%. That's not good. Not good at all. All right, so this is amelanotic. So if you saw this, you would say, oh, this is not good. You definitely need to go to a, another specialist, or we need to do a nail biopsy right now um, and call the oncologist on the way. What about this nail? This nail is very, very dark. That longitudinal banding is very wide. Doesn't look like it extends into the nail plate, but it still doesn't look good. Still doesn't look good. I showed you another patient that was African-American and had the longitudinal banding. It didn't look that dark. It didn't look that black. So what would we do here? Well, we would have a biopsy. The patient have a nail biopsy. But here are some uh, guidelines to uh, determine what do you do. So if it looks a little small, we'll try to go through it. So this is the A, B, C, D, E, F rule for melanoma of the nail. So A is for age, increased age, increased age, sixth, seventh decade. African Americans, Asian, and Native Americans are common, all right? B, for brown to black, the breadth, three millimeters or wider for that nail that I just showed you, one of those bands was quite wide. The borders, the borders are variegated. C, change in the nail band and no change despite presumed adequate treatment. So maybe you think it's something else and you attempt to treat the nail, but there is nothing, there's nothing going on. The digit most commonly, D is for digit, most commonly involved the thumb and the great toe, the thumb and the great toe. And then E, we're going back to Hutchinson sign, extension of pigment to the proximal and lateral nail fold, and F is for family or personal history of a dysplastic nevi or melanoma. So this is just a guideline for you to um, look at occasionally for you to determine that we're gonna do a nail biopsy on every patient that has longitudinal banding, no. You're gonna try to follow within the um, guideline. All right. And I believe this ends the ride. Thank you very much. If there, are, if there are any questions, I'll be happy to uh, take them. And, and if not, I'll see you for, for hair, hair disorders in about an hour. Yes? Um, so, you know the pigmentation on nails from medications? Do you know common medications that cause that? Have you seen it in Plaquenil? Uh, many common ones are the chemotoxic drugs. So a lot of times the... Um, the drugs used in chemotherapy, those mm -hmm. are common. Plaquenil may be one. Yeah, I saw a recent article for um, radiation causing pigment, but I didn't know if yes. Plaquenil. Okay, thank yes. you. Thank you. Any other questions? Do you know anything about the laser treatment patients are paying about $2,000 for, for onychomycosis? Uh, no, it's, it's um, vague in my mind. I have heard, but um, I have not. Um, seen it. I had not read anything about that uh, recently. There are um, obviously there are several different lasers. We do have several lasers in our office, but we do not use them um, for any um, onychomycosis. I have heard of a laser used for uh, Veruca. I have heard lasers used for Veruca. 
All right, any other questions? Thank you very much.